Yeah. Cause that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> Done. <laughs> what are you looking for? Yeah. You're not looking for that, right? You're not looking for fame and riches. No. You're looking for something Mm-mm. that's bigger, like deeper. Deeper. And, and that's yeah. why I don't like, I don't try to make money off of my work. Like I don't want to make a living off of my work. So the things that I do instead are things like teach. Like I love teaching. I love mentoring young people and I love helping them make connections with for for them and like help them see those connections in succeeding in the studio with how they can succeed in life and like things like that like I love there's, there's like a deeper meaning for it in for that for me this like kind of like freedom of speech hangover i just can't get over the fact that we're being restricted so much here in america the land of the free um i know not really not really no it's interesting because so many of my friends that i met at raised d are like international students right and um trying to get their visa because their student visa is about to end and like before they were asking me like, oh, I don't know if I should stay. Is it really worth it? Like America is not the land of dreams that I thought it was when I was young. And I was like, it's not, it's, it's hard even for citizens. So it's like imagining how hard it is for non-citizens or people who are trying to become citizens. It's just so, it's like the system is built against us. Even as like as artists and then as people of color, and then you add on that other layer of like, not a citizen but trying to be it's all fucked yeah yeah and also um i don't know sometimes okay so like let's play like the devil's advocate also you know like okay Mm -hmm. um i i get it like let's say i made a country I went in there, killed a bunch. Oh, of are we playing this game again? Okay. <laughs> I found a piece of land that wasn't yeah. the one I was looking for, but it's kind of bigger. So I'm like, awesome. And then I kill a bunch of people and I settle in mm-hmm. and then I call my friends and they settle in and they call mm-hmm. their friends and then more people want to come. And now we're like, that's enough people, you know? <laughs> and, <Yeah>. um, <laughs> And then it doesn't really make sense, you know, and a lot of the things don't make sense. Another thing that doesn't make sense is we, I built this like country, which isn't real on the ideals Mm -hmm. of freedom. And we fled the tyranny of the Eastern European regime and this, what Mm -hmm. this guy did and um, all of those things. And we're in this new land, like it's sunny there. There's a gold rush on the other coast and we're headed there as well. And it's crazy. It's good. Everything's looking up. And then yeah. we believe in freedom of speech. And then we also now believe in like canceling freedom of speech, canceling people who have thoughts and opinions that aren't in line with what we 
think they should think, which is also crazy, mm-hmm. which is like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I feel like America is like, you know, any other country right now, like India, with just like a Gucci belt on. It just seems like nicer, bigger, cleaner, but it's all the same. Yeah, it's, it's really not. Man, you really got me when we were at Haystack, when we were playing that game. You like really stumped me. And when I was like, shit, I can't answer this. I don't know. Wait, wait, which game? You were, you were like, uh, I forgot. It was like this design thing question you asked me like this train of thought where you were like asking me questions i think it was like okay if you formed your own island how would you govern it and then i like would answer and then you oh, would right, throw more right, questions right. yeah and i was just like oh, i don't know <laughs> I'm stuck. No, maybe maybe i was trying to um get you to become a capitalist <laughs> yeah maybe maybe you were <laughs> I, I, I try to do that yeah anyway um <laughs> let's get started today we have a very special guest my friend tiffany tang who is a ceramicist, an artist. Um, she got her BFA from in art history and studio art in San Francisco. And then you got your MFA in ceramics from RISD. It's fucking awesome. I That's did. where we met. Yeah. That is where we met. Well, we didn't meet at RISD. Well, we kind of did. We met because of it. That's true. We met because, we met because of, of RISD. Because of RISD. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, let's get, let's start there. Like, uh, that trip we took. So there's a trip that happens uh, once a year, mm-hmm. I think, where yeah. a bunch of students are picked at random and taken to uh, this beautiful place in Maine called Deer, Deer Isle or whatever. And, uh, Deer it's Isle, the, yeah. Hay- Deer Isle, yeah. Haystack School of Craft, right? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. or is it Haystack School of Art? There you go. Fuck. Already fucked. I think it's craft because I remember they put a lot of emphasis on craft. Yeah, that's their whole uh, thing. Um, yeah, Haystack Mountain School of Crafts. Dear yeah. Almin. Yeah, beautiful. It's a beautiful like, place. Oh my really God. Beautiful. It's like, when I reached there, I finally understood why people, you know, really like, really love Maine. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'd want to move there. And I remember just going from the, the canteen and the kitchen and the dining hall to our rooms. We just saw oh, yeah. a couple of deers hanging out. Yeah. In yeah. Deer Isle. But I I feel like <laughs> I feel like Deer Isle is like the best part of Maine. I've been to other parts of Maine and it's like very different than Deer Isle. So Okay. Like good different yeah. or like bad different? Oh just different, different. Like not like Deer Isle is so like majestic. You're on this like island where behind you there's like trees and huge boulders and then in front of you there's cliffs and ocean it's like you get everything in this tiny little space and like in the morning it's covered in mist and then at night you can see like a thousand stars but like I mean that's just like it was amazing I mean I don't know how that how the Haystack School of Crafts got started Haystack Mountain School of Crafts Mountain School of Crafts yeah whoever started it did a good job Oh yeah, the architecture is just like it, it's beautiful, it, and it 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 really makes you appreciate what, um, you know, a control population or control number of people can get you, mm-hmm. and so that makes me understand American uh, politics of immigration, and you should have less people <laughs> in the country now. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, but it's beautiful. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's beautiful, and and yeah. they're against growth. They're against growing the number of students yeah. as well because they think that'll impact yeah. the environment, which is nice. Which is nice because yeah. I think they designed it, like all the buildings they designed around the architecture 
or I mean the landscape so they wouldn't like impact yeah. it. And I think they just decided to cap off students so that they never had to expand, which is really nice. I'd, I'd love to like spend a semester there just like me too doing mental work. And what was your best? So what we did over there was like just to, you know, whatever, whoever's listening to this, uh, we had mm-hmm. workshops and you and I mm-hmm. had fun in the uh, weaving boots, backstrap, backstrap, back not bootstrap. Yeah, not bootstrap. Uh, I turned it into bootstrap. I'll tell you why. Did you? But um, okay. yeah, we did the backstrap weaving and there was like metal spoon, spoon smithing. And I didn't get to do the metal one. Spine. It was fine. Yeah, I didn't get to do that one. Yeah. Um, which ones did you do? Um, I did, besides the backstrap one, I did the um, arm weaving with Jim Drain. Yeah. Okay. Who also is, who's a professor at RISD too, but I didn't meet him until we were there. Oh. Um, I don't remember the other ones. <laughs> yeah. It was and, a while uh, ago. It was the, the weaving one was super fun and, um, yeah. I've never, I never weaved before and it was interesting to learn all about like the warp, what's the warp and all of those, uh, you know, weaving. Lingo. I know. And Wait, but didn't so, you like weave after too? Yes. So I turned backstrap and I bootstrapped it and I turned my table into the weaving thing for my thesis and I weaved a blanket made out of plastic. Yeah. Yes, I remember. (laughs) And I remember when I saw that, I was like, that's exactly what we talked about that one night where we like stayed up and talked about our work and our thesis and stuff. I was like, oh, he did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. So the Mun School of Craft, it was an amazing experience and I love everybody. Love the whole group. It was such a nice mix of people it was who a good group. went. Yeah, it's great. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, so you know, I'm like a fake artist. Um, because no, um, <laughs> what uh, is a fake artist? I have a lot of like um what's what's that called? Um it's that syndrome where you don't believe that you are oh, capable. Oh, imposter and, syndrome. Yeah, there you go. Like apparently 80% mm-hmm. of artists have imposter syndrome. I have, I have that too. Yeah, I'm totally in the 80. Um, yeah. and, some, <laughs> and a lot of the times I feel like, yeah, I don't belong here. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, and my like non-designed background really doesn't help. Um, mm. And so you did art, you studied art history in Studio Art. Um, and yeah. so like, how was your experience there and what made you shift to like one material and ceramics? Well, okay. So I, when I started being like an artist or studying art, let's just put that when I started studying art, yeah, I was 22, um, mm-hmm. in my undergrad. Mm-hmm. So I stayed in undergrad for so long because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. Like I did so many different things. Like I did, I studied archaeology for a while. Um, my dream was to be like Indiana Jones for a little bit. Yeah. And I, yeah, right. And um, I was all set to like go on this trip to Belize for a summer to go excavate a Mayan temple with my professor, who was one of like the leading experts on Mayan archaeology at the time I that was this was when I was studying in LA I went to school in LA for a little bit but then my sister was like no you can't go you can't go to Belize you can't go blah 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 and like scared my parents 
And so they like, they stopped me and I never got to go. And so that ended that dream. And then after that, I think I went like all over the place. I studied chemistry for a while. Like, I don't know why, but I studied chemistry for a while. I studied English for a little bit. I studied um, anthropology, like cultural anthropology. Um, And then I just decided that I needed to change and like really figure out my life. Cause I mean, I was getting older. So I left LA and then I moved back to the Bay area. And then I went to San Francisco state, like I transferred there. Um, I decided to start studying with art history because um, I'd always loved the stories behind the work. Mm -hmm. That's kind of why I loved archaeology too, was because a lot of what you learn is not just like, you're not just looking at the artifacts, although that's part of it, but you're learning about the history behind it, the people who made it, like the culture and everything. And so like art history, I really loved because not only do have I always loved art and design, but, you know, being able to study the history behind all these objects and like the lives of these artists was what really interested me. It's more so than just like the art. Um, but when I was an art history major, um, they needed me to do a studio like elective. At that time, Clay, maybe still now, I don't really know, but at that time, Clay was like, not cool um everyone wanted to take like yeah everyone wanted to do painting or like 2d 2d art studios mostly Mm -hmm. painting I feel like so uh since I was a transfer I had last choice and clay was the only studio open and I remember thinking like oh shit I don't want to do clay like that's so lame yeah um and then I so I had to take it and then when I took it it was just like an intro to clay class but I was like, oh shit, this is the first time I'm making something 3D. Cause I had always tried to become like do art throughout my life, but it was always like 2D stuff. Like I did pastel drawings, I did watercolor drawings and like painting and stuff, but it just wasn't, it didn't like satisfy me. And I wasn't that good at it. Like I couldn't think in 2D really. So then when I started doing clay, I was like, oh my God, I can do this. Like I realized then my mind works in a 3D sense. Mm -hmm. And like, even now when I do try to do like 2D stuff, it is still really challenging. But if I were to do like woodworking or glass blowing or things like that, it's really easy for me to pick up how it would work and how I can like form those things because it's like a 3D thing. But um, yeah, it just kind of became like really addicting clay. And I think a lot of people who do clay would have like the similar kind of origin story it's like when you first start making things with clay it's therapeutic but also it's kind of just amazing and addictive to be able to form something out of your hands absolutely absolutely yeah Yeah, that's you know you're like I'm getting like flashbacks from my childhood like I the I, I was always into painting but I was never good Right. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I would only do abstract because I couldn't do real estate. Like unless I was like right. copying off, uh, copying a painting right. or looking at something right. that was already being done. Um, and then I was really good at like I wanted to like I was good at building things like I wanted to create mm. in terms of like also like a 3D thing. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. But I never thought mm-hmm. of it that way. Like I didn't have the mental capacity to. Uh, articulate that you know you're like a 3d designer not maybe not not a 2d artist you're a 3d artist like I but 
my version of that was like, I'm really good at introducing my body into the creating process. So I, so mm. my mind straight went to like, Oh my God, like all I'm going to end up doing is like becoming a construction worker. Like not that anything's mm-hmm. wrong with that, but like, I didn't think that industrial design was a thing. I didn't think product mm-hmm. design was a thing. I just thought products were mm-hmm. something that manufacturers just churned out and you just buy, buy it. Right. Right? And art is right. just like either you're a musician or you're like a, you know, you're, uh, you're in film school or whatever you, you're a painter, you're a graphic designer, digital or whatever. But then right. I had to go through this whole journey of like studying economics and then getting mm-hmm. into consulting because I wanted to like, you know, wear the suit and tie and then have fancy car right. and go in and tell companies, yeah, no, do that. And then make the money. Yeah. The money. But then it's so right. incredibly right. boring. It's like the complete opposite. It's like, <laughs> it's like geek capital where everybody's just like nerding out on numbers and shit. And I'm like, this is not yeah. me. Um, and yeah. then, so I, I took a break and I was like, okay, really what I wanted to is and then mm-hmm. I discovered industrial design. I was like, yeah, this is like a good mix of everything. Yeah, I feel like it really suits you. Yeah, yeah. I, but I yeah. also feel like as a designer, you are more on like the artistic end of design. I think so. My department thought so. They gave me like the artistic award at the end. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> they were like. Mm-hmm his design looks like art pieces that's the award that you know oh, i didn't know that was the thing that they did <laughs> uh it, no it was it was nicer than that it was more about like aesthetics but i i feel like i'm more on the it's a spectrum like art and design yeah right? and I, it is yeah there's no like hard line or difference and i feel i might be more towards the artistic side and maybe there are artists that are more towards the you know engineering or mm-hmm. id side yeah Mm-hmm, for sure but yeah but like my first 3d art um introduction was in the ceramic studio as well like i i took ceramic and sculpture in high school oh um, really yeah yeah and so yeah so like wh- do you like you you kind of seem like um you know you you really thought it out. You really tested the water before really getting into something, which I really appreciate, which is nice. And a lot of people mm-hmm. feel like they don't have the time to do that. They have mm-hmm. to get into the rat race immediately, but like you have time, yeah. relax. You're 18. Yeah. Yeah. I hated <laughs> um, that mentality. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I need to know what to do. You, you have time. It's okay. Um, yeah. But when you got into ceramics, did you like fall in love with clay immediately or did, do you have like a love hate relationship with it? I for sure have a love hate relationship. Even now it's been like, I don't know, almost 10 years and I still love hate pretty equally. I feel like, but it took me like, I, it was exciting when I first started it in that intro class, but that intro class, so it was like 16 weeks right? Semester long. Most of that time was hand building. And I was like, okay, this is cool. This is fun. But it wasn't like mind blowing. It wasn't until the last two or three weeks of the class that we went onto the wheel and did like, like throwing. That's when I was like, this is my jam. This Mm -hmm. I can do for the rest of my life. And I don't know, it just kind of felt like Like, you know, when you live your life and you're always, you feel like there's this answer that you've always tried to look for. Mm 
Mm-hmm. You don't know what it is. You don't know what it's about, but you just know you're looking for something. That's what clay was for me. And then it was just kind of like, wow. So then at, when I st- did the wheel throwing at the end of that first intro class, then I decided I'm going to just take ceramic classes. I'm going to just do ceramics. And at the time I, om- I like my, I was dating this guy who was, in clay too and he didn't want me to take ceramic classes because he didn't want me to be like in the studio all the time canceled but I was yeah he was canceled I was like fuck that (laughs) so I just you know I like literally dedicated my whole life to it and when I'm into something I get so into it like overly passionate probably but it's like I just want to know everything about it I want to like dive deep learn as much about it as I can And that's what I did for years and years and years. I don't know, like three years, I think. I just kind of worked basically 24-7. Not to like glorify that because I'm really trying not to like be so manic in work stuff. But I was just like so addicted to learning about ceramics because there's so many different things, like different materials, different firing temperatures, different firing techniques. And I felt like a lot of all of that in ceramics was and still is being gatekept, gatekeeping, gatekept, I don't know, yeah, by secrets. white men. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. And so at the time, I was just like, that's not fair. I was Where like, were I you? Can do it this too. was in San Francisco. This was or... at San Francisco State. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of like had no social life, but I learned a lot in those first three years. You don't um, have social life in art school. No, even at, especially at RISD, like we yeah, have no social life. Have time. Um, yeah. No yeah, time. you know, some of the things that you were saying, it's like, I feel the same way in ID. It's, it's like all that chatter in my head about like, do I, like, where do I want to be? Like, even in my office cubicle, I was like, this is not what I want to like. This is yeah. not, you know? Um, yeah. But then once I went into RISD, I was like surrounded by, people who were similar and people and I was like this is the process that I like and this is what I wanted to do and there was this sense of like belonging finally like yes yeah (laughs) yes you understand me and um, yeah yeah and I feel like sometimes you know you can get passionate and I want to shout at you know my blank canvas be like become something become my emotions and it can be overwhelming and um I don't know. Yeah. So I want to get into that with you. Like in a recent Instagram story, you had mentioned. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, no, you mentioned, you, you talk a lot about like, you know, punishing yourself as an artist and there's something Mm -hmm. that you battle with. And I think that's something that all of us, like a lot of us battle with. And because it's only because we have high expectations of ourselves and, you know, we think, especially me i think i have to be the best at everything that i do you same know? yeah and it's so hard with doing something especially like this podcast it's like this is this is the long game friend mm-hmm. like right. you're not this podcast <laughs> yeah. not you're not gonna get listeners in a month you know this is like yeah. a year thing so it's right. hard for me to like go through that and i'm having this like artistic crisis running this podcast mm. where every night i'm like oh my god 
Like, yeah. uh, why am I doing this? So embarrassing. <laughs> like, I'm <laughs> no. screaming myself talking like a poser right. out into the out into the world, expecting that people <laughs> want to listen to this. Like, right? Yeah, but like, whatever. I I feel like it's important to discuss these things. But yeah. I am in a space where I can't. I don't know how to deal with those emotions. You know, like mm-hmm. I just go back and forth between feeling like shit. And wanting to quit to like, I have that. I I got this. Like you know, and usually yeah, totally need three cups of coffee to get there. But um, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you? Honestly, okay. So, like you said, I have like two extremes. I feel like I'm just such an extreme person. Like sometimes Same. I wish I wasn't, but it's just it's like okay. And so my two extremes are I totally have that imposter syndrome where I feel like I don't belong where I'm at or I like even though I work towards these goals the things that I'm getting from it I always feel like part of me is like I don't deserve this and I don't know where that comes from but it is like just so stressful sometimes to feel like I put so much pressure on myself to be the best. And I feel like, you know, people come to my studio or used to, people used to come to my studio and they would like see my workout, right? And they would just say, they'd say really nice things because who goes to your studio and like talk shit to you. But like, they say nice things like, oh, this is really nice or this is so perfect or you're so good. And it's always like, thank you. But also it's like, I see things that's wrong with the stuff that no one else sees. And so I always wish I could just not like, I could unsee it sometimes just so that I could live a little easier, but because I see those things, it like, it just adds so much more stress and time to the work that I do. But do you also feel like they do see it, but they're not telling you? (laughs) It's totally possible. (laughs) (laughs) But that's where I am. It's like, they oh, really? do see this as shit, but they're not telling me. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no. So what I've learned how to, I've learned how to deal with it by having really amazing friends who pull me out. Like friends that I truly deeply trust with like who I really am, like my dark secrets who I am when I'm just like being really embarrassing and like laughing at myself. Um, they, they understand how much of myself I put into my work. And they also understand how like mean I am to myself. And so when they see me that I, when they see I'm like struggling or if I go to them and I say like, dude, I'm fucked up right now. Like, I don't say that easily, you know, like when I'm struggling, most of the time I can just struggle on my own, but when it's really bad, I will say something to like the very few people I trust and they will always pull me out. And that's how I've been able to like get by in the last couple of years, because before that, when I didn't really have that, it was really hard. And I felt like it like really deteriorated my mental state. But once I learned how to rely on a few people who like I knew loved me and I knew like valued my work and like saw what I wanted the work to be. They're not just going to like bullshit me and tell me it's good if it's not good, you know? 
Yeah. So when I was able to do that, I have some really good people around me that can support me and be like, like this, this show that I'm preparing for right now. Like I was just talking to someone about it where I was like, I feel like, you know, I don't deserve to be in this show because I didn't apply for it. They found me and they asked me to be in it, which is amazing. But in my mind, like I automatically went to, oh shit. Okay. I need to make a whole new body of work so that they can choose from it. And then I just like put so much pressure on myself. And my friend was like, dude, I can tell you're not having fun. Like you, your energy isn't there. You're like kind of struggling and suffering. And that's, you're putting that into the work. And like, she pulled me out and she was just like, they chose you because they like your work. Like you don't have to make all new work. You can include new work and old work, but like, you know, she could see me going through the, like going down this like deep hole. Yeah. But she pulled me out and I'm so grateful for like having friends that can do that. Cause I didn't for such a long time, like in the first, uh, how long has it been in the first like six or seven years of my career, almost, I had no one to do that. So now I'm just like eternally grateful that I met, I met them all at RISD too, which is like amazing. So yeah, I, I think that's important because like they selected you based on your current body of work. That's why you got yeah. this opportunity in the first place. But yeah, I totally understand. And, um, you know, my creative process isn't the most, you know, mentally sustainable, one might say, mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah. I put a lot of pressure on myself uh, to do the best, not only the best. Um, and I also feel that. <sighs> How do I say this? I work best under the scenario where I am alone and mm. I'm like, I'm suffering. Mm -hmm. And I maybe this, <laughs> maybe fool myself into believing that nobody cares. And mm. that's when I have like, I, I turn out work that's like, I, I really like, right? Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, and okay. that, that, that goes back to when, so I used to, I've, I've been playing the guitar for like about 10, 12 years now. Can't remember like from okay. the seventh grade. And, um, we used to be in a band and all of, all of my friends, like this is by like how serendipitous and we all lived in the same neighborhood. We went to the mm. same school and we all formed the school band and all of us, I was okay. I was good. But then mm -hmm. there was a couple like the drummer and the lead guitarist. They were, in, they're incredible and they're professional musicians right now. And mm, so wow. we were at a spot where we were performing and we were writing original songs. We were doing well. And, and I would, you know, it's like the rock star thing, kind of, we were mm -hmm. not rock stars mm -hmm. at all, but like, it, it's the musician thing to like be yeah. alone and write and then play. And then your pain is your art. Your pain is your song. Like all the famous songs are like about breakups. Right. Like, yeah. So yeah. I think I've yeah. brought that along into the 3d art space where mm. I feel like I can't create a, an industrial design project or, or like can't conceptualize it because with industrial design, sometimes the projects are like speculative. Mm -hmm. So you take a topic and you create this like thing that'll be, that'll cause 
or create a discourse and a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I need to be in that musician space to like write the script and make the thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's not how. So you work better healthy. alone when you can feel like, yeah, like yeah. you always want you want to make it yourself feel like people don't care, so that you can make things freely without having to worry about what people think. So yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, where does this end? I don't know. So what I do is I go into a dark hole and I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. I'm making now all the pain yeah. into the piece. And then I make the piece, I bring it out. I'm like, here it is. Do you like it? You know, I, I seek out mm-hmm. that approval and then I fool myself into thinking that it's shit. So I can go back into that space because I never want to be comfortable. Mm. Never want to be comfortable enough. Totally. Yeah. I think there's a delicate balance to having a healthy process of making and also feeling that you can do better. Um, I agree. Because that thing you said about like never wanting to be comfortable. I feel like that's such a, um, has such a strong presence in my studio practice. Cause it's like, I never want, well, first with clay, you can't really be comfortable anyway, because your shit will just crack apart and break. But also it's like, um, I, I'm someone who's like always wants to improve. I feel like maybe because of all the things that I've gone through, like a lot, a lot of the suffering that I put into my work, like it has a purpose, right? So it's like, I kind of live my life thinking that um, everything I'm going through has a purpose. Either I learn from it and I grow or, I mean, that's it. There's no or. Like everything I go through, I will learn from it and grow. That's the goal. So it's like in my work, I feel like that's really strong because I don't want to be one of those people that um, gets so like satisfied with what I make and then just like keep making that for the rest of my life. And I don't know if you've noticed, but like in my work, if you look at my portfolio, I don't like do the same thing for long periods of time. Cause I don't, I, I personally can't stand looking at it. If I just keep doing it over and over, it's kind of stagnant to me. And it's just like, like a, like an artist, you know, like your life, your art reflects your life. And if my life is always changing, I'm always going through something else. I'm always learning something else and becoming a new person. I would want my work to also change all the time. Yeah. But that also makes it really hard and challenging and tiring. Absolutely. But that goes back to why you, that goes back to like your, how you found yourself into becoming a ceramicist like your appreciation for archaeology and anthropology it's like Mm -hmm. you appreciate the life of the artist so now you're embodying that and you're that's true but then then it's it's like then you should just go out and live your life and have faith that the art's gonna create itself by you just living your best life but then it's harder. It's hard. It's hard to do that. It's hard. Know? Yeah. Like that's the goal. That's like ideal, right? Ideal. We all live our best lives because if your work reflects your life, you want to live your life. 
and have like great work. So that's the hard part is because I am such a workaholic. I am so hard on myself in the studio that I get into a space where I'm like, no, I need to work on this. Otherwise it won't get done or it won't be good or whatever, whatever. And like, if I do manage to get myself out of the studio, like I would just have immense guilt and I wouldn't be able to enjoy what I'm even doing. Now it's a little different because COVID changed things for, I think everyone where we all realize life is a lot more than work. And like, you know, with the hard times we had in 2020 and are still having now in 2021, I think a lot more people are prioritizing mental health and like just trying to go out into the world and like be happy. So now it's easier for me to do that. But like, say like back pre-COVID, it was almost impossible. Like I, I literally would work on like holidays. I would work like 24 or seven, 365, like at least go into the studio and like work on holidays, work on birthdays, work on Christmas, like at least for a little bit. And it just was not good for me mentally. And like, I lost so many friends. Like, so I, like I, people I still deeply care about, like you said, that I just like, don't, I'm not in touch with anymore because I literally would just deny everyone in my life and just be in the studio all the time. And like, yes, those years, like I learned so much and was able to like grow a lot technically. But I mean, when I look back at the work I was making, it was just it's so empty to me because I wasn't living a life. Yeah. Cause so. as a, like, I'm sure as an artist, it's what you believe in in your life and your experiences that yeah like it's it affects your work but if you're always working you're not experiencing the things that will make your work great but yeah two things all right like mm -hmm. what what's fucked up about the saying that when you do what you love you never have to work a day in your life I it's, hate that uh, thing. Yeah, it's like, yeah, but then if you do what you what you love, you always want to do what you love, so you're always working, um, and that that yeah. can get to somebody. So, like, when you yeah. step into your studio, what what kind of a headspace are you in? Are you like amping yourself up? Like, all right, let's go make some great shit today, or are you like, uh, I wonder? Let me experiment. I wonder what I'm gonna come up with. <laughs> Um, I feel like when I go into the studio, most of the time, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> like even now, I mean, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm pretty experienced when it comes to clay. I've done so many different things and tried so many different techniques and everything because I wanted to be able to teach it. So I like learned all these things, not for my own work, but like, so I could teach people. But I still come into my studio every day and I'm most of the time I'm just like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. So let's just see how I feel. And some days I feel like making and some days I just want to like sit here at my desk and do something super tedious and painstakingly like, I don't know the word. I just like, but something that would take like. Yeah, forever. yeah. No, I see that. And it's and it's like, yeah. And it's hard what you do. I, I see your stories where you're like painstakingly carving mm -hmm. a million flowers. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's not me. <laughs> that is not yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I tend to do those things a lot because it's like I'm in the studio, 
but I don't know what to do, but I can focus on this one thing that I know will take up my time. And then I can just kind of like block everything out because like, I do have so much anxiety about everything. And a lot of times it's so hard for me to turn my mind off. So like there are moments where I need to just focus on something like that. Like, like when we were at RISD, um, I was a studio, I was like kiln manager for the department. And so my, and my studio was like in the middle of the whole department and like, oh my God, there were so many times where I would be trying to work and people would come in with questions that I would have to answer or help with because I was the kiln manager. So there's like so many times where I was at RISD where I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Like I needed to hide. So I had a chair, like a really low chair that hid me behind a, my one of my studio desks. Like even the people that shared my studio didn't know I was there if I sat there. Yeah. And so I would sit there with my headphones on and then I would just like paint like a million dots on a pot. Mm-hmm. And it would just be like super, just a way for me to like focus my anxiety, I guess. I've seen that. So piece. I do need it's to an, do that. Yeah, it's it's an incredible piece. I've seen that one. Um, oh, and and the and I know that you've hand painted those dots, and that makes me very mm-hmm. like uncomfortable. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> because it's so much attention and work. And I'm like, wow, it's like, this is a, this is a piece, you know, but I, I feel like that's meditation though. That's med. you're mm-hmm. meditating through yeah. that. And I feel like I, I need to shut my brain off as well at times. Um, yeah. And um, because there's a lot of like things going on and sometimes it's just like, I don't want to think about it. And so I got into printmaking um, so oh. I'm, I'm now like carving linoleum blocks and like making prints. Wait, I can show you. How do you like, like it? Is, I, I did that I before. Love it. This is like what I did. Oh, nice. Yeah, Isn't I'm, carving so fun? Oh my God. Yes. Right? So great. It's so meditative. It's so great. I just, I love the process. I've never, I never took a printmaking class, but I always mm-hmm. wanted to, um, but yeah, this is fun. And, uh, and it's also like meditation and meditation reminds me of this thing. Were you ever like a smoker? Like cigarettes? No, I Mm-mm. used to smoke cigarettes. All right. And, um, and I learned that cigarette smoking, why it's so hard is because it's meditation. Because you're mm. not just trying to quit nicotine. You're trying to quit five things. You're trying to quit mm-hmm. nicotine. You're trying to quit um, oral fixation. You're trying mm-hmm. to quit uh, dealing with your problems because that's a way to deal. So that's like, mm-hmm. you know, you had a shit day at yeah. work, you go out you, for a smoke break. And you're, mm-hmm. I forgot what the other thing was, but it's also like, it's... Uh, yeah, it's your way to like blow off some steam. So you're qu- trying to quit all of these things at the same time. And so that's why it's so hard mm. to kick, kick the habit. I it's see. Meditation. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I smoked when I was like drunk as when I was young, but it was like yeah. not a regular best. thing. So I never experienced the meditation <laughs> part of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, oh, the last one was the act of the smoke coming out of your mouth. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta but love you can that. get that with other, other things. 
<laughs> Hashtag dragon breath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I wanted to ask you about the what led up to because it's first of all, it's mm-hmm. kick ass that you during the pandemic graduated, went back home and built yourself a studio that you're sitting in currently. You built it. I am. With your own mm-hmm. hands. Um, my hands and my dad's hands. hands. And your dad's hands. <laughs> and now you're like creating in that space, which is like very inspiring and almost like such an, uh, like an, I don't want, I don't want to say this, but it's like, you're so ID in some ways. <laughs> what? <laughs> the only thing that's stopping you from being ID is your love for just one material. <laughs> you know <laughs> two things yeah one i don't get why second i love wood too i do woodworking too but like yeah i have it no I'm, I'm mostly kidding but it's like i don't know i feel like it's maybe because industrial designers are like not tagged I don't know what i am like i have a degree mm-hmm. but i really don't i still don't know mm-hmm. so i keep So I keep tagging everybody's industrial designers, but it should be the other way around. Like people should tag me as something because I am nothing. Mm. I'm like the What? untitled, I'm the untitled piece. Industrial designers are the untitled piece. In untitled piece. Like, yeah. It's like, we're not committed to a material or whatever. We're just trying to solve right. problems and make things. But yeah. Hmm. But yeah, what, what led up to this whole thing that you did? Um, well, so we grad, we both graduated during a pandemic, which yeah. I, I don't really know how, because that was blocked, really hard. Yeah, like, I blocked mentally. it out. I blocked out a lot. Yeah. yeah. I was drunk Same. most of the time. So <laughs> yeah, like, I think we were all really struggling for those months from when they kicked us out of studio to like all the times that they were like, oh, you still might have a show. So keep making work without any studio access or any help. Yeah. But you still might have a show. They're still um, doing that. You still might have a commencement. <laughs> you still might have oh a commencement. Oh my God, I, I blocked the emails. I don't, I don't want to know. I'm done with RISD forever. I'm never going back. But um, I was just like, so, okay. Because let me tell you, I literally had a crit, I think two or three days before all the like pandemic stuff started right like when they were starting to talk about kicking us out i just had a crit where i met with my advisors and the people on my committee and i showed them what i was doing for my thesis i had it all planned out all i had to do was make it but it was like you know really i was in a really good place moment momentum was good i was just like yes i'm doing this this feels right and then i started making one of the pieces and then they were like okay just kidding goodbye forever you can never come back and then i just kind of was like oh okay so i shut off everything for like three months or whatever like i literally for my thesis i don't know if i should say this out loud to you on a recorded podcast but i will i can <laughs> um, cut it i can cut it out okay i mean yeah so our thesis my thesis i did that 10 days before i had to sh- present it I, and I the way I did it was I literally was like I know I need to make a thesis book for graduation 
but I'm going to just make it my thesis. Like I'm going to make that the project. Mm -hmm. So I made, I made my book, the, the work where I literally, I like, I need, so all my work is named after songs, either titles or lyrics in the song or something. And so I put the titles in a, um, like on a page in the front and it made a poem and then just kind of listed, I showed the pieces according to that poem. Um, and that was, it. that was my thesis, which is so off base of what I was originally going to do where I had this whole installation. I had this whole plan for like a 3d landscape with different, like, like I was literally building like a landscape painting from the ground up, like a rough, a hand tufted rug I was planning on wow. and tables. Yeah. I know. And like, I had these tables that were going to be like walnut and maple that were like different heights. And then I had like, I was building like cloud pedestals out of clay and I was going to have like work to put on all of it. And what it was, was going to be like this open space where I would invite people like for one day out of the 10 days it opens, so 10 different gatherings and they could come and use the space. And then we would just like eat, talk about things. Like people I felt like at RISD were important to me. And I was actually thinking of inviting you for one of those days because of like the haystack stuff that we did. Yeah. And like, it was going to be like my therapist, like all these things. Um, and I ended up with a freaking book that like no one saw. Yeah. Yeah, the, the pandemic robbed us of that experience. Like I also yeah. wanted to do a lot of the things and I ended up writing a book as well. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, did you enjoy the process of making that book? Do you think that it is yeah. a work on its own though? It's different. Though. I do. I think that was really fun. Like for those 10 days, I was like alive. Yeah. Whereas before that, I wasn't, you know, like in quarantine, I was just, life was so like repetitive. But for those 10 days where I was working on it, I had a lot of fun because actually there was like one time in my life where I wanted to be a digital, like a graphic designer, but like I never did. But that was like really fun. I was like, oh, this is really fun making and designing a book and like choosing typefaces and colors, which, you know, I'm all about. Um, so that was really fun. Um, I really did enjoy doing that. But for a long time, I think I couldn't get over everything that we lost. Like, I, it's, I don't like, like, I don't talk about it too much because it's at the end of the day, like, it's just kind of work. Like people in the pandemic are losing their lives, their homes, they can't eat. So I don't want to like talk about this other thing that we lost, but I do think that it does come out in my mind when I'm working sometimes, like I try to compensate for things that I didn't get to do in our thesis. Like, like, yes, it's just a thesis, but like for some of us, we've been working towards that for more than just the time we were at grad school. You know, it was like a goal that we had to do this thing. So after, after that, I moved home. I moved across the country. I moved back to California because I was set up to do um, like a studio manager job at a clay and wood studio in San Francisco. And I was supposed to teach a class at my undergrad, San Francisco state. So I moved here to do that, but because of the pandemic, all those things didn't work out. So I was just like in my living at my parents' house and I mean like, well, what am I going to do? So 
thankfully my parents live in like the, the suburbs in the East Bay and they have like a pretty big backyard. And so I asked them if I could build a studio. And at first I thought they were really just going to say no, but I came like prepared. I was like, I got plans. This is what it's going to take. And like, this is how big it will be. And I think my dad was super excited to do it because he's the, he's an engineer and he's the type of person that like needs a project. He needs something to do. He needs to keep mm -hmm. busy. Like he'll never retire. Yeah. But like, he was really excited to do it. And I was shocked, but they let me. And so it was really fun. And it was also really meaningful for me to be able to build it with my dad, with my mom helping sometimes too. But it was like, like I was always gone since I turned 18, I left. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was just like all over the place. Like in 10 years, I think I moved eight times. And so I just was never really here. And now my parents are getting old. And so, and like all the other kids are like, they're gone or have families and stuff. And so it was really meaningful for me to be able to come back here during the pandemic, spend time with my family and like build this thing. And, you know, I've got Asian parents. They wanted me to be a lawyer for the, like, since I was like five, because I don't know, they say I like, they say I'm good at arguing, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so it was just yeah. like really touching to me. But they were like, yeah, let's build you a studio. It's like really supportive. I think it's their way of showing support for my career because they don't really understand what I do. Like they don't get it. If I, if I said I got into an international show in Korea, I was invited. They'd be like, that's great. But they don't really know what that means. And if I was like, oh, I have a solo show at a, at a gallery, that, that would be like a huge accomplishment in my career. But right. they would just be like, that's great. You know, but it's like they wouldn't know. So I think this was their way of being like, we support you. And so that's how the studio came about. And now I'm making work in it, which is just, I don't know, really crazy. Yeah. And that's like, it's a very big blessing to have supportive parents. And I think it is. Um, and it's awesome that your dad helped you build this house or the studio. Mm -hmm. How was it like, what's the process? How do you go about building a house? Like, how do you do that? Well, <laughs> so we, we started with the foundation. That's how you start. Damn. <laughs> and then you just like put the walls up, put the roof on. Wait, wait. Okay. So like, hold up. <laughs> it's just you and your dad, right? Did, or did you hire help? How was that? My, my dad would dad. not let us. That's fucking awesome respect for your dad for that it was like yeah, hey, figure yeah. this out how deep was the foundation that you had to dig um we just had to level it out a little bit we didn't dig that deep and then because because we felt figured out a way to to like um have it sit up on supports and stuff because this isn't the first foundation my dad built he built another foundation on another side of our backyard for like the storage unit Mm -hmm. So by the time we did my foundation, he's like, oh, I know what to do. We, this is an right. easier way to do it. So we Still, did it. Yeah. And Still like, so okay, great. Yeah. 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 What, so, what I mean, yeah. Um, the walls. All right. Okay. So then the, the, the walls, but it's like, I, it's kind of cheating because I did order the walls as a kit. So like it got delivered in like panels, um, so it was like four feet panels 
with like the interior frame already in because like mm-hmm. I don't have a wood shop and so I was like I can't actually like cut all that wood up and yeah. like put it all together and so the walls came and we just kind of, we had to like put them together and figure out like how they fit um and then we put the roof up and we put the roof shingles on which was really fun to learn how to do like it's it was kind of funny because so many of my clay skills like translated and I was like, oh, I know how to do this. Or I would be able to do this because I do this in clay. And my dad kept like doubting me. He'd be like, I don't know if you can do this. Like, well, I'm like, no, watch me, dad. I'm so good at what I do. I can definitely do this. Um, but yeah, we just, it was just kind of crazy. The longest actually was painting. Painting was a pain in the ass. So mm. It's but, incredible. Like I don't, I wouldn't even like it. It's, it's awesome that your dad knows what he's doing. And then you learned it all from YouTube. Yeah, you, I know. Yeah, that's the thing. I learned everything from YouTube. I learned I know. designing on computers. From it. <laughs> yeah, right? You YouTube University. There you go. That's it. I mean, we always yeah. had, I think um, Alex, who's my friend, he's been on this podcast. Um, and mm-hmm. um, we always talk about like a group of us from RISD can build a house from scratch. Like, Oh yeah. Given like we have access to shops and stuff, we can like Mm -hmm. cut down trees and build a house. We can do that. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. It's It's kind of uh, amazing. Like you get a group of artists and designers together, dude, you don't know what we could do. There you go. One day, maybe we can build a bunch of houses down in downtown LA, (laughs) Skid Row. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We should just we give us get us should. the funding, and we can definitely we'll do that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. Um, okay, so um, let's get into <laughs> zodiacs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why? Why are you so interested in that? It's Take funny that to- you ask me now. Because now I'm like at the tail end of it. Okay. Take but, us through the journey. I want to understand. Okay. Because okay. my actually, going into it, my basic understanding was just like, I am Sagittarius because I'm born in November and I want right. to be free and not tied down. That was my identity. But then. That is, yeah. And you're into philosophy and cults, which happened to be true. There you go. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good. It's not me. <laughs> yeah. It's my zone. It's not just you. It's yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny because when I first started really getting into it, remember when we were at Haystack? I forgot who brought it up, but someone brought up um the app, the pattern. I feel like maybe it was Katie. Victoria. Oh, okay. Katie. Or Victoria. Victoria. Okay. Yeah. yeah, one of them brought up the app. And like before that, I knew about it because one of my studio mates was really into it. And I was like, yeah, okay. I kind of had kind of knew. But then it was when we downloaded, we were, it was like our last day. We were driving back to Providence, but we stopped on the way for, for lunch. And then I downloaded the app and I read through it and I was like, this is insane. It felt like so accurate and was like therapy in your, in your phone. And so I was like, oh my God, I need to know more about this because of course, when I like something, I get so passionate about it and I need to learn everything about it. Like I said, like it gets insane. 
So that's what I did. I learned so much about it. Like I read books about it. I listened to like podcasts about it. I like watched YouTube videos about it. And I just, just got really into it. So into it that actually when I was working at Coworks at RISD, one of the things that I offered people to sign up time with me was for birth chart readings. <laughs> and it wasn't even my idea. It was because right. my boss was like, you're really good at this. You should do this. And I was like, okay, no one ever took me up on it, sadly, but I was getting paid to do that. Birth chart readings. Okay. So there's mm-hmm. like so much first um, t- talk about like the moons and the things you said, you're not just Sagittarius. You have a, like a rising sun setting moon. Yeah. Yeah, you have your sun sign, which is like your the month you're born, right? Like you're a Sagittarius. Okay. Then you have your moon sign. Your moon moon sign sign. is how you process your emotions, kind of. It's like your emotional side of you. And it comes Mm, out so that's like like, you can pick your moon sign. No, you can't pick. You can't pick any of it. What what it is, so your birth chart, it's you need your birth place, your birth day and the time because then from that info it shows you a chart of what the planets were doing like where the planets were at the time of your birth and that's how these things are determined ah uh, okay i get yeah. it right right yeah. yeah there's like it's like degree there's it's like a lot of math and like geometry to figure out if you go really in depth but yeah so, um, so i am on this website called um cafeastrology.com and I put mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. birthday and my okay. exact birth time okay, uh, which I think it is and I've put in my city mm-hmm. uh, oh oh, not Russia no <laughs> no <laughs> not Russia uh, Calcutta alright submit okay my moon sign is Taurus you have moon oh. in Taurus. Okay. Have, What's your rising right. sign? Uh, what? Wait. What does that mean? Okay. Let's start with your moon sign. <laughs> so I was so your born. Your moon sign is you're a Taurus. I'm. I'm uh, apparently yeah. Moon sign Taurus. Okay. Sun sign Sagittarius. Okay. okay. So your moon sign is kind of like your emotional, like how you would process emotions, and also who like what people see when they're like super you're super comfortable with them you're really close with them like at home chilling or something right right okay i see yeah so taurus so, is an earth sign yes and sagittarius i think is a fire sign. fire sign yeah there mm-hmm. you go my moon my moon is a sagittarius actually there you go it's a dangerous yeah. sign. It's a fun sign. It's a, it's, it's a dangerous. It's fun, but it's dangerous. <laughs> it's a slippery slope. Yeah, um, it's a fine balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a balance. Definitely. Yeah. What was the rising thing you said, though? What is that? So that, it's like your rising sign or your ascendant is how people see you. The first impression that you give to the world. And I used to not think it was that important, but it, I learned later on that it actually can also represent like who you're meant to become. Like you're supposed, like the older you get, I guess, the more of these traits that you embody. So like when you get older, you might um, associate with that sign more than your moon sign, for example. I see. I see. 
So do you, yeah. was, and you said you're at the tail end. So your fascination is like slowly dwindling. It's kind of gone. Yeah. Why is that? Like, I don't even, I don't know. This is what happens. I think it might, it's probably a Sagittarius thing to be honest, but it's just like, <laughs> like I get really into things and then like, I want to learn everything I can. And then once I feel satisfied or I feel like, yes, I've got a good grasp on this, then I move on to the next thing not to say that I'm like not interested anymore but it's just kind of like what's next you're like speaking to my soul here uh that is what I see the Sagittarius (laughs) thing I know but that's what's crazy is because it's like it's I still believe that it is extremely accurate but like I just kind of don't read about it anymore like I don't look at Instagram posts about it anymore. I st- like if my friends talk about it, I still know what they're talking about, but I don't follow what the, the planets are doing anymore. Like I used to. And oh, now okay. I just don't. And I, yeah, now I think it's just the tail end and I'm, I don't know what the next thing will be, but there will be a next thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, back then, like definitely a year ago, it was like the golden age where everybody was obsessed with Zodiac. I think it's yeah. dying out on like a yeah. bigger, realm on a as bigger well. scale. But do you think that it kind of um, helped you understand who you were? Oh, for or how you sure. Behaved? Yeah. You I think yeah. that, did I what? Did you like kind of change yourself or manage the way you presented mm. yourself? No, I didn't change myself or present myself any differently. But what it did do was really help me understand who I am. Like, there are things where I knew about myself, but never had the words for how to describe it. And so at the time, I was in therapy, too. And so I was in a when I found it or like discovered it. And so because I was in therapy, I was like really in this headspace where I was trying to understand myself with my traumas and who I am today and like why I am the way that I am. Um, And so then when I found birth charts and like the Zodiac stuff, it was really therapeutic in that way too, because it, it helped me understand like where I was struggling because a lot of people who don't understand the birth chart thing, I think they hate on it because it's, they think it's like, here is a guideline of who you're supposed to be. And this is, this is what it is. Like it's you, if you're Sagittarius, you are this way, but what it really is, is kind of like, it's a framework for your natural strengths and your natural weaknesses. And it just kind of, can help you understand where you need to improve or if you're struggling with certain parts of your life, this is why, here's how you might be able to fix it. And so like, that's what I really liked about it because I was going through so much at that time um, that it really helped me understand why I was the way I was, why I like craved certain things in life that like I had no other explanation for. So. Yeah, I think yeah i i can i can see that like it's um there are so many people who don't have access to therapy or like it's expensive Mm -hmm. or you know they're just too young they don't want to ask their parents 
yeah. whether you know they they would pay for therapy or whatever. But yeah, it's like a, a and every this is like this is it, right? Uh, trying to understand who you are. This is why we have yeah. so many things in the yeah. in the world. It's just this like exactly. for who uh, who am I? Like that question, right? That's like the most basic question in humanity that like everyone can understand. Yeah. You know, and I feel like a lot of the people who got so absorbed into the astrology stuff are the same people who like grew up being like neglected or ignored or like never fit in because that the birth chart things like the astrology really gave them a sense of understanding of a belonging of have like a community. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But I will also say this, that there are people who do take it to the extreme and it becomes like all consuming where mm-hmm. they, they think that what they read for the day is what's going to happen. It kind of like becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in a bad way. Like right. They not function yeah. without reading the horoscope for the day. Um, I agree. I think that that is taking it too far. Um, that's beyond mm-hmm. understanding yourself. That's like being in a cult, you know? It's like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. That is like being in a cult. Yeah. Susan, Susan Summers. What, who was the astrologer? Susan. I don't know. I don't know. My dad's obsessed with her. Susan Miller. Susan Miller. She's really good. I read her stuff. It's it's like whoa, accurate, scary. So (laughs) thank you. Yeah, that's what all this stuff is. It's like accurate, scary. Not ready for this. Not ready for this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I I, yeah, the self fulfilling prophecy is is you need balance. Like in anything, you need balance. I feel like. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it can get a little too too much. Absolutely, you kind of like go up to your partner, and be like, "We can't be together because Susan Miller said on her Sunday yeah, like, post that I need a fresh." Our start. Venus signs are not compatible, and yeah. we can't be together. It's yeah. like we need a divorce. Like you can't yeah. do that. I downloaded the horoscope sign and put in our signs and it's saying it's not gonna happen. So sorry, but yeah, yeah. so bye. Sorry, so bye. That is like that is not okay. But yeah. Yeah, um, I totally lost track of what I was going to say. This is what happens. Let's, okay, let's get into, since we're on the topic, let's get into like mental health also right now. Okay. Um, yeah. I think that since, oh yeah. So since everybody's like trying to find themselves this is the best part mm-hmm. of our podcast. Like I can just totally cut that out and not seem like it. I know. That was so great. Yeah, was like <laughs> smooth transition. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. um, since the <laughs> Zodiac, whatever, is proving to be kind of like cheap therapy, isn't it? Like the poor, poor person's therapy. Um, mm-hmm. That. That is to say that, okay, you you talk a lot about the importance of mental health in your work mm-hmm. or in everybody's work and, and more so the work, more the process more than like the work actually. Yeah. What do you think is, how do you think we should navigate that in a world where it's so hard to be heard because there's so much noise online? Yeah even in Instagram or whatever, there are so many ceramicists, so many designers. And mm-hmm. some of them, 
you know, a lot of them are amazing, amazing people who are creating amazing things. A lot of them are not so amazing, but still have like hundreds of thousands of followers. I don't, I don't get it. But like, how do you think we should navigate that and still be healthy mentally? Yeah. You know, it's like hard. It's something that I've been trying, but it's, it's hard to not get carried away in that, you know? Yeah, seriously. I feel like um, something I think about a lot is that like I I don't have a lot of like my ego in my work. Even though my work comes from me, even though it's like, you know, it comes through from my suffering and my life experiences, I don't make my work to be famous. And I don't make my work to be like, look at this amazing thing that I made. Like I make my work for other people. Like part of it, of course, I do make for myself as like a fulfillment in my life. But if I could, I would give a lot of my work away for free because like I love being able to make other people happy with my work. And then, you know, I don't want to be famous. which is just such like a contradictory thing I feel like for artists and designers because you kind of need to be famous to be successful if you want to live off your work right but Mm -hmm. there's many times in my career where I've had the opportunity where if I had just grabbed it and stayed with it I would probably be a lot more successful than I am now but like I don't I don't exactly know why or understand but whenever I get whenever something like that happens to me I kind of like step step away like like there was after the RISD thesis show um, hyperallergic wrote an article and included me in my work and that was really cool because it was hyperallergic is that the 25 artists from Yale and RISD one yeah that that article yeah and so it was really cool, but also I was just kind of like, oh, I don't want people to find me. So I kind of like disappeared. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want people, like I've been in magazines before. I've been in shows and I've been given awards and like all these things. But when these things happen, I like stay quiet about it or I like pull myself out of it because I don't want to be famous. Like, I don't want that attention. And I don't know like why exactly I think about it a lot that I feel like I wish I had more of a balance of it. Like I wish I had a little bit more of my ego in it because then I would be able to have more financial support in my practice. Like if more people knew about me, more people would be willing to pay for my work. But I don't know. There's something about it that I'm really uncomfortable with because I don't know. It's just like, it's just something that scares me. I hate being the center of attention. I always have. And being famous for my work, I feel like changes my work where it's like puts more expectations on it or, you know, just a price tag on it or something. And I think a a lot of it is wrong. Like the things that I'm thinking, I think are wrong, but I always kind of run away from fame or whatever. Like I don't, I mean, I don't have a lot of followers on my Instagram, but I've had a lot of like shows. I know a lot of artists. I've 
you know, I've done a lot of things in my career where if I had like kept following it, I would have been really successful by now. But there's just so many times where I'm like, I'm uncomfortable in this position and I will leave. Or it's like the community I'm currently in that is giving me this support and fame, quote unquote fame, I'm going to leave because I was uncomfortable and like I didn't want to compromise my work and my practice for that. What What is it exactly? Do you think you're going to open yourself up to criticism that might obvi- that might you know obviously affect yourself as an artist um obviously instagram followers has nothing to do with how good an artist designer you are um it's a whole other game on its on itself yeah. right right um like my favorite example is like chris taylor who teaches glass at RISD, had like 200 followers on his page and then he went on blown away this is like he's like over 50 right he's been mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. industry for like 30 40 years um mm-hmm. everybody on that show was like a lot of the judges on the show were like taught by him um mm-hmm. and so after blown away now he has like 15k instagram followers and is growing every day and it's like yeah yeah he was always renowned in his field the instagram thing has mm-hmm. nothing to do with it but and I don't think Chris Taylor cares. Like, uh, he yeah. doesn't really care. He doesn't I don't care. think he cares. <laughs> he doesn't care. Yeah. But the no. thing is, like, but that's just a one-off, right? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. A lot of working artists say that having a big follower and having that optics kind of helps being, continuing to be a working artist, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I, I've, like, I... I, I went on your website and I saw that you've been like so many shows, like so many. The list mm-hmm. is super long and obviously your work, your work is awesome. But like Chris Taylor, maybe someday if your work is great, there's no way that you cannot get known. I mean, there, there, there are ways, but uh, <laughs> you might not. Like maybe when you're like 50, you might get famous, mm-hmm. so you can't run away from it. But yeah. I want to get my point is like I want to get to the bottom of like why why are you so are you like do you are you scared of it? Are you disgusted by it? Do you think what is it exactly? I think it's both. It's both. Yeah. I think it's very complicated because I can't figure it out still. Um, I wish I asked my therapist back when I had him because I want to know, but. I think it's both. I, it's not, I'm not so much scared of criticism because literally no one can be harder on myself and my work than I am. So it's like, I don't think that there's something that other people could say that like, I haven't thought of myself when I see a work. I think it's like, I'm kind of disgusted by it because I saw the extreme example of someone who is so concerned of fame only and I saw like I saw that person do anything and everything they could to become like famous on Instagram and all this stuff and their work became really empty their work became so bland and like something that could just appeal to like the masses Mm. and it changed them as a person too where it was literally like the way that they 
made decisions in their life was dictated by what other people would think because they wanted to be famous so badly and wanted everyone to know them. And I know that's like an extreme side of it, but I saw that really up close for a while. Like I saw how being so hungry for fame really kind of destroyed someone. And like, you know, this person that I really cared about and used to really respect became someone I was like embarrassed to even know or like be associated with. And I think part of that really like stuck with me because like, I don't want to be someone who makes decisions based on fame. I don't want to be someone who makes empty work just to appeal to people. Like that's why a lot of times people will come to me and ask me to collaborate with them or make things for them. And I'll say no, because it's just like, that's not what, aligns with my work that's not what I want to do and it's just kind of like yeah that would make me more money and yeah some of these companies are really big and would like help me get my name out there but I don't know I wish I could find a balance so I could still like be financially better yeah but yeah I I I get what you're saying like I've seen I've seen artists or designers go from creating work for themselves to creating work for the gram, you know. It's like a whole different game on its own like you just can't yeah. create good work and post it. I mean, you can, but it's not how Instagram works, you know. You got to do mm-hmm. something stupid. You got to like throw it at the end and break it or <laughs> something like that. Yeah, you got to like do a, some weird yeah like make a vase and then crack an egg on it and you you yeah. get shared on instagram you know it's a, it's a performance yeah. and it's a very odd mm-hmm. odd performance yeah and uh yeah but but then i don't know collaborating with companies that's kind of different isn't it though like that's a lot different. of yeah a lot of designers do that um yeah. and there's there's scope for some good work like maybe if if you're i don't know if you're like an illustrator and nike approaches you to do like a clothing line mm-hmm. that's a good yeah. opportunity like, that's good yeah yeah that is good nike's not saying like it's for the grant <laughs> right. right yeah i think it yeah. really depends like i mean i make teaware also like I, I mean i make a lot of different things but like i make teaware and i when I like making teaware for certain companies, if I could, I've made teaware before for a company. Um, but that was like, I felt like in that role, I was more of a designer because they kind of told me what they wanted. They told me like what it was going to be used for. And then they wanted this design and I did it. Um, but that wasn't really that fun to me because then it was kind of like, well, I'm just a fabricator. Um, yeah yeah but there is a I have a project coming up um there's no like set date you know we're still just talking about the logistics but I will be doing work with this um food company like this small business run by a woman of color um she's does this like really cool idea she's based in San Francisco but she does this like subscription service um for food every week but what we're, we're going to do is we're, I'm going to make certain 
like serving dishes and stuff that will be available for her subscribers or like whoever, but it's going to be more than just like, here's this plate that I made. It's going to be, there's going to be like conversations involved and like a chance for people to learn because the way that that kind of that project came about was that I was talking about how when I make functional work, like dinnerware, right. Things that you eat off of, I still put in a lot of time and detail and I still hand paint that shit. Like it takes me a long time. And I, before I moved to the East coast, I was doing craft fairs in the city, like renegade craft, unique, unique SF, all that stuff. And here in the Bay area for ceramics, Heath is like the name, right? Like everyone knows Heath. Okay. They're a good company, but it's like, it's Heath. So it's like, you know, a certain aesthetic with a certain price tag. And I was asked when I was selling stuff, um, I had like similar prices to what they have, or maybe a little higher because my work was porcelain Mm -hmm. and like hand painted and stuff. But a lot of the things that people would say is they would say, Oh my God, this is beautiful. Or like, this is so pretty, but I could just, they wouldn't say this to my face, but I could hear them walk when they walked away. Once they found out the price, they would be like, but I could just get something like from Daiso. And so it was just like, became very apparent to me that similar to how people associate Asian food with being cheap, they also associate like dinnerware or ceramics with an Asian aesthetic that it should also be cheap because there are places like Daiso or like restaurant supply companies that have Asian dinnerware that is really cheap, but then people would go and pay for Heath. And so that's kind of where this project came from was I was getting frustrated. Like I was, I stopped making functional wear for a while. Cause I literally was like, no one's going to buy it. I'm not going to sell this for $5 or $10. I'm going to sell this for $80. Cause that's what it should be. Mm-hmm. And people were just like, Oh, it's like, I could just get this from Daiso. And so I just stopped making it for a while. But this company that I will be working with understands my frustrations with it. And is we're going to have like more conversations about that. So when it's like that, then I love to work with other companies because I love collaborating. I love working with other people, but it has to like align. It has to have like a purpose and a reason for me. Um, so, yeah, but then see, that's the thing. I'm not doing that for fame or to get recognition or anything. Right. Like I do that because I, it's something I really believe in and like, I want to support um, her company. And I, I, love what she's doing so I feel like that's different yeah I think it's nice that you know yeah like it's oh it's okay to not compromise when it comes to like just being a ceramic churning machine for a brand that just stuffs the whole script down your throat and like yeah make that yeah Yeah. (laughs) but Mm -hmm. yeah it's obviously yeah what what you're doing and many other artists are doing is like not not giving in to stuff like that and looking for more opportunities and they will come, but like they take time to build and yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I think the thing is, it's kind of sad that the whole industry for handmade art 
or just objects in general it's still not there yet like we we yeah. kind of like fool ourselves into thinking like yeah handmade stuff we love it but when we want to mm-hmm. pay for them we don't love it that much you know what i mean yeah. um yeah. so we're not there yet and obviously these big companies are killing artisans and um mm-hmm. they've always done that um yeah. it's a battle uh and yeah and nobody does it better than then netflix also killing businesses like netflix killed yeah. blockbuster and then they made a documentary about how they killed blockbuster like it's amazing did they yeah they, they made that documentary yeah, there's a blockbuster documentary on netflix about how they killed blockbuster wow. the <laughs> that's, audacity that's fun. <laughs> yeah it's great it's great um yeah artists don't worry don't worry about it small businesses it's okay <laughs> okay keep going yeah. we're all gonna be okay. we're all gonna survive don't worry about it um yeah but yeah um do you think that there's this like pressure of and, and this is this is like a conclusive statement right this is a question that i want to leave everybody okay. you the one person listening me my mom Hey, we might have two listeners if you don't know. Uh, yeah. Hi guys. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Dad. Uh you're there too. <laughs> um when it comes to like battling or like balancing uh art for yourself and art for commerce. Hmm. Do you think that you're worried that your work might become too commercial at that point? Do you ever yeah? and does that scare you from making money mhm that like scare you away from making money yeah yes because before when i was before i did grad school i was doing a residency in rhode island for a year and um at that time i had just quit my first grad school um before i moved to rhode island and so i was doing that residency And I was like, I don't know what work to make. So I just like did production work where I like slip casted and I just made like really pretty stuff, like really pretty cups and really pretty bowls and stuff. And that with the intention of just selling it at like lower prices, like, you know, like just whatever at, at the shop, at the residency. And uh, I realized I hated it. It was just not me to do that type of production work like make the same forms over and over again, do the same pattern over and over again. Um, while they were cute, I liked the work that I made. It was just kind of like, why am I doing this just to make money? But it's so boring. It's so unsatisfying to me. I'm basically just a factory. Um, yeah, I made money from it, but it was like, there was no fun. There was no exploration because everything had to be figured out so that you could have like efficient an efficient way of making things with like not wasting material because if the point is to make money you got to think about those things no exploration at all and so um i did do that for like a year and i really didn't like it um and i think that is also another reason why i don't i get scared of like money like big money um fame these type of things i think about because like i didn't like how empty it made me feel there's a saying 
I forgot who who said that. Obviously, um, but <laughs> I was just saying that uh, quotes. I wish everybody became famous and rich, just so yeah. they can f- know or experience and figure out that that is not the answer that they were looking for. Mm. Oh, really? I've never heard that. I like it. Yeah. Okay. What are you looking for? Yeah, you're not looking for that, right? You're not looking for fame and riches. No. You're looking for something Mm-mm. that's bigger, like deeper. Deeper. And, and that's yeah. why I don't, like, I don't try to make money off of my work. Like a lot of people ask me if I sell my work. I say yes, but it depends. And it's because I don't have like an online shop that's always open. And I, you know, honestly, also shipping ceramics is a pain in the ass that I hate dealing with. But like, I don't want to make money from my work. Like I don't want to make a living off of my work. So the things that I do instead are things like teach. Like I love teaching. I love mentoring young people and I love helping them. I love helping them succeed in clay and make things and being able to like make connections with for it for them and like help them see those connections in succeeding in the studio with how they can succeed in life and like things like that like I love there's there's like a deeper meaning for it in for that for me and that's how I would rather make a living is is by teaching so like you know being a professor at a college or also like my friend who is opening a studio in San Francisco I went to undergrad with her. She believes in the same type of like ethos that I believe in, in terms of like community and like wanting to create a safe space for people who need it. Like people who need belonging and protection, people who can just like come to the studio and like make work and just chill out. And like, no one's going to judge you or attack you or just see you as like a member who pays money. And that's how we survive. Like we want something deeper than that. And so that's what, like that's one of my projects that I'm working on too is helping her with the studio, like helping her grow it into something bigger than just a community studio that makes money. Like we want to create a space, a, like a, a community for people. Um, but that's how I would rather make money. Um.